Do I have an intro? Oh, do you want an intro? Listen. Welcome to Wrestling in Review, your weekly wrestling recap. Wrestling in Review, your weekly wrestling recap. Wrestling recap. Wrestling recap. Welcome to Wrestling in Review, your weekly wrestling recap. Patrick, how's it going, buddy? It's going good, and do not forget, tick-tock on the clock, but the party don't stop. Did you pull that out of your file of um, cool rhymes to say at the beginning of each show? I had to come up with something new, and that was in my head for some reason. (laughs) You should really pre-write these, I think. That would be smart, but probably not as fun. Okay, just so everybody knows, the entire game of today's show is to try and only say little things quickly so Patrick has to stop mid-drink and say something. (laughs) That's so rude. All I want to do is enjoy a nice bourbon while I talk wrestling with my buddy, and you're going to try to throw me off so I'm like mid-gulp trying to talk wrestling. Come on, man. It's not fair. I just know that you have all these all these things you want to say, and the moment that you say them, you just sort of sit back and take that drink, and you just chill out. I just say like, oh, yeah, is that true? And you're just like, ah. Because <laughs> I, I give you mic drop moments for great reactions. I'm like, ooh, watch this unfold. It's like, yep, now what? <laughs> <laughs> it's great stuff. All right, well, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start if we have a great Two shows. We have SmackDown on Friday night, and then we went into Monday Night Raw. SmackDown went ahead and had a great show like they usually do. Uh, The show was actually in Phoenix, Arizona. It actually said Phoenix slash Glendale, Arizona. Am I wrong? Are those not this? Are they different? I don't know why they would put that. Is the arena split between two towns? We do not want to offend the Glendale people by calling it Phoenix. You know how they are. It's the land of the sun. Come on. This is, this is true. I'm sorry, Glendale folk. But we're going to go ahead and say we were in Phoenix, Arizona tonight. Uh, big show, the iconic Goldberg live. Uh, in six nights, we're going to be having a super showdown. Well, six nights from the other night, it was super showdown. Actually, I believe that tomorrow from the time we're recording is super showdown. It is. Yeah. There's a moment of bliss with the Bella Twins. Hall of Fame Bella Twins, may I say. A Symphony of Destruction match with Braun Strowman and Elias versus Nakamura. Cesaro with Sami Zayn, the Great Liberator. And then Bailey's opponent will be decided tonight in a match between Carmella and Naomi. Patrick, what a great night. It really was. And I I, I don't want to ruin too much ahead of time, but the Symphony of Destruction match, that may have been my favorite match to watch in a long time. You know, it was a lot of fun. It was exciting. There was a lot of blood, which I always feel bad for these, you know, fighters in the ring. You know, bleeding and getting real injured is not something we want to see. We just like to see great, great matches and great professional wrestling. That is true. But we did get to start off with something that wasn't so great. The Usos finally showed up for work. They did. I did think this is uh, something great. Also, you know how I named the A-team, the A-team with Miz and Morrison? How's that? Well, no, you know how I've done that. Yes. Oh, oh, oh. I thought you were going to like elaborate on that. But no, not, yeah, they're not, the A team. Yeah, of course. I know. I, that's my, it's all in my notes. A team everywhere. Yeah. It wasn't that I was going to tell you my way of figuring out how I came up with the name A team. I was just reminding you that I did create that name. And I've also come up with another name. And I wanted to share it with you here. What's that? 
So tonight we kick things off with an eight-man tag match. Uh, starting off with just a little bit of a discussion between everybody. Everybody seemed to bring microphones to the ring. And we had the Usos and New Day versus A-Team and the Court Jesters. How dare you? <laughs> the Kings the court, court Jesters. You, uh, I don't even know what to do with you anymore. You, it's like every week you find a new way to insult these hardworking individuals, these Kings Court, these amazing wrestlers, and you just want to insult them by calling them jesters? How dare you, sir? That is Elias's job. He is the one that makes fun of his wrestling and calls it comedy. <sighs> anyway. Now, you know, though, that Dolph definitely deserves it after everything he did. Definitely deserves it. He deserves nothing. Not only did he get the girl, he also is one of the best wrestlers in, on, in, around SmackDown. One thing, one thing I do want to bring up before we get in too much about the A team is: Did you notice that Big E didn't interrupt anybody this week? He actually came in when he was supposed to. What a what a sweetheart of a jester! I'm so glad that we would get to hear people we don't want to hear talk talk as much as possible. <laughs> what? Why wouldn't you want to hear any of these people talk? I mean, I don't not necessarily a fan of Big E and the way he yells at everybody. But I still enjoy listening to them. Look, Patrick, don't you dare be sour, bro. Not this time. Not tonight. All right. So, but you're right. You know, they came out and there was just this love fest between uh, the Usos and uh, the New Day. Talk about six time champs, seven times champs. But you know what? They can say that, but they are not the greatest tag team of the 21st century. So it doesn't matter what they say, how many times they've been champs. That's true. And the New Day decided to bring up the fact that the Usos are still behind when it comes to championship title reigns by one. Yeah, it doesn't matter because they are not the greatest tag team of the 21st century, and none of them are going to be tag team champs following Thursday. Yes. Now, they did mention that they may fight once more. I believe the direct quote from one of the Usos was uh, that they are going to do this one more again. And that means that there will be another fight between the New Day and Usos once the Morrison and Miz are handled. Well, I mean, it, they could fight all they want. It won't be for the belts because the A-team is going to have the belts. Oh, boy. You, you sir, you, you must watch a different show than I do. Do you notice how much of this, this love fest led to friction and they started their smack talking back and forth? They acting like they're all nice leading up to it, but... But one, what is it? Another one again? Another one again? Uh, one, one more again. One more again. They aren't that nice. One thing about the A-team, they're upfront and honest. They're not trying to put one over on anybody. They're the best. They know they're the best. We know they're the best. So they, there's no reason for them to hide anything like the New Day and the Usos who are going to throw on, what would they call it? A super kick party? <laughs> Clever. It is clever. Speaking of clever, after that, the A-team decided they were going to come out. And guess what they had? They also had microphones. Miss says, hey, <laughs> Miss says, hey, look who's back. It's the Usos. You know, reminds me of the way that you talk about the Usos a lot. Also, New Day rocks. They're there. And then, hey, John, we need a chant. And he did him and uh, Morrison decide that they wanted to go ahead and create their own little fun chant for everybody to chant in the crowd. Yeah, what was it, Miz and Morrison? Hey, 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 ho, 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 ho. Yes. Now, did you notice that the A team comes out looking like a like a bedazzler threw up on them? But I still want to dress like them because they're so awesome. Hey, be jealous, bro. I am. They are amazing. His shirt has buttons, and he doesn't even use them. 
So check this out. The great thing about how the great thing I like about Morrison is his excitement to be back. And you could definitely tell he's excited to be back because once Dolph and Ziggler or the court jesters come out, they don't have any mics, probably because they know that they're not going to be able to get a word in. They don't have any mics. They come straight to the ring and then they, they hang out with little crew outside of the ring and they say shield up. And guess what Morrison says? Morrison goes, I've always wanted to shield up. <laughs> I I noticed that the A-team with uh, with the King's Court, they were all styling and profiling. They all looked so amazingly well-dressed. And the New Day and Usos looked like a rainbow threw up on them. And uh, they just got out of prison. So I, I, maybe that's the thing. I don't know. I don't know what the kids are doing nowadays. I can tell you're feeling quite nauseous because I believe that's too vomit vomit fashion jokes you've said today already. It was very accurate. I can't help it that that (laughs) describes both of them. I I guess it does describe both of them. Well, there ends up being a nice little uh, break that they take. And, you know, they always do commercial breaks because they don't want to show us the beginning of matches. I don't know why, because that's whenever a lot of the big fight happens. We get a good feel of everything. So once they come back from break, Jimmy and Dolph are in, uh, in the ring, and Jay gets a tag, does a splash, then there's a round of tags, and these guys just do a nice little round, a bunch of splashes in the corner, and I'm just going to tell you this right now, and I don't like it, Patrick, the ref, in the beginning of this match, was absolutely losing control. That's a lot of people to keep track of, and, and wasn't all these tags happening against poor Dolph? Like everybody yeah. just kept throwing him in the corner and then they're splashing him, they're cannonballing him. And a poor guy still probably wore out from last Friday, you know, if you know what I mean. So, oh boy. That was oh in my note. And I forgot I wrote that, but it's yeah, probably well, very true. Just put it on the paper. He'll read it, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> Someone's yeah. been typing in my notes. <laughs> so, <laughs> the ref. The ref was totally losing control of this match, and it was absolutely ridiculous. Because once once finally some you know a semblance of maybe control for a second comes back in, uh, the A team come in, they get knocked out. The ref gets distracted by Rude, and Morrison does a nice little leg throw of Kofi out of the ring. Then Miz with two with a big boot. My God, Patrick, I think we need two refs for this match. Yeah, that's an eight on one. You can't have your eyes everywhere, and and if if everything did erupt into chaos. What's that one guy going to do? You're going up against some of the best out there. I mean, Biggie's thigh alone could crush the ref. What's he going to do? Yeah, who knows? But I literally in my notes, I go, ref distracted by Rude, Miz with a big boot. My God, we need two refs. <laughs> so after the match keeps going on a little bit longer, there's still more. There's a triple team at one point on Kofi. I write down that the ref is terrible. I don't know how he's missing everything. He This must be his first eight-man tag match because he had no idea where to look, no idea what to do. In the end, there was a, some great moves by all of the teams. Everybody, everybody was doing a fantastic job. There's a nice big skull-crushing finale that gets missed. He fails it. He gets thrown over the top rope. Morrison with a beautiful crossbody corkscrew. A little bit more fights going on. A nice spine buster to a zigzag to a pin, but it gets broke up. Very exciting into the match uh, with a missed Insiguri by Anuso. DET reversed into a super kick, three count, and a win. Did you not have notes about Morrison kicking Kofi straight out? Like, I, it was such a big kick. I took note of it. You're usually the color commentary guy, you know, the play by play guy. I had the color, you do the play by play. But I had to put a note on Morrison's kick because I think it knocked Kofi clean out. You know, sir, I don't like 
you putting baby in a corner like this, all right? You don't tell me that I'm a play-by-play guy where you're the color commentary. That's not what happens. This is where this is where we shine. I'm not saying I'm not locking you in on one thing. You're never just one thing. I'm just saying that's where you shine. I I just whenever we get into the match and you start telling me what happened, I just sit back and relive the match because you're so good at it. But me, I remember the big, the highlight moments, Kofi getting knocked clean out. That's what I remember. God, you know what? I'm not, I'm never good enough for you. It's never going to happen. I will say, though, just an observation. The New Day didn't pin anybody and the A-team didn't get pinned. So this by no means is settled. And this Thursday, it will be whenever the A-team gets the belts. It'll be exciting to see if the A-team gets the belts. I mean, I'm not looking forward to seeing how cocky they're going to be about it. I mean, they got a slow motion entrance. I don't know how they do that, but they got a slow motion entrance. So obviously they like themselves a lot, and I'm interested to see how much they love themselves after they get the belt. It's a lot better than the Usos pretending to be in slow motion. They couldn't afford the effects, so they just have to act like they're going in slow motion. They do a great job of that, though. I've always wanted to get a slow motion five from the Usos. Was the imitation is his most sincerest form of flattery? I guess so. Speaking of... No, you know what? There's not speaking of any flattery here. I'm going to go ahead and talk about Daniel Bryan talking to Gulak in the back. Do you mean one of the greatest wrestling minds of a generation? Drew Gulak? Drew Gulak, Mr. PowerPoint himself. And he has some tips for Daniel Bryan, who has holes in his game. It's clear, and he sees it, and all he wants to do is make Daniel Bryan better. During this little conversation between those two, obviously Bryan's not buying what Gulak's selling, but suddenly Slater's in the back, and here's his name, and he's pissed off. D-Bryan made his kids cry, man. Made his kids cry. Don't make those kids cry. You can't do that. He's got kids, man. But but he he said he wasn't ready, but also he's always ready. He's always ready, except when he's not. Gosh, how did you not catch that? Now, I want to say, Daniel, better watch out. He may have just ruined his opportunity to do anything in the wrestling business. Because if you put Drew Gulak's PowerPoints with Heath Slater's determination to protect and provide for his kids, dang, man, this duo is the duo of the week. Definitely. Well, well, it's exci- It's an exciting thing to see. Uh, we liked. Uh, I'm excited to see Gulak teaching Slater about all the holes in D. Bry's game. So we actually end up getting a break from the show. We come back. There's a little clip of Otis and Mandy's little love story. At least a look back of what their love story was going to be. The romantic comedy of the year. It's terrible. This is a, this is turning into a drama. Is what it's turning into. There's a. So we see Fire and Desire in back, and then you know Otis's boy Tucky shows up. Tucky's upset, says, Mandy, you hurt my boy. You agreed to the date, but then you invite but then you invited Ziggler to crash it. Otis had flowers, new underwear, and even combed his hair or his body. You know, I said he combed his body last time. He, com- he combed himself. Just yeah, himself. Combed, combed himself. And he can't even leave the hotel room now. Mandy uh, said that she ran into Dolph, that Otis never showed up. We're wondering why, why did Otis get this text then, Patrick? Why did he get this text? That and that Mandy was going to be late. Maybe he never got a text. Maybe he just said he got a text because he was he realized what I said from the very beginning of all of this. If Dolph is an option, there's no other option. And definitely Dolph is more 
of a Mandy guy than Otis is. And he realized that. So he just let things be. And then he acted out. Oh, I'm so sad. Drop flowers. No, that's, that's not what happened. He's the one that's faked the text. He's the one that didn't show up on time. And Dolph did what Dolph does. Dolph got the girl. Dolph showed up to a restaurant by himself to steal a girl. That's what happened. Yeah, if you think he was by himself when he got there, he just finished his probably third or fourth date of the night and then just took over the new date with Mandy. Oh, that's good. That's classy. Classy right there. He's a young man in the prime of his life. Probably one of the best wrestling men to ever lace up his boots. You telling me if that was you, you wouldn't be out dating the honeys? Well, the thing is, is you're not the only one who believes this. Sonia, uh, you know, Miss F- uh, Miss Fire herself even says that uh, Dolph is more Mandy's type. Like I said, I said this from the beginning. This was all written in the stars and everybody tried to buy in that, you know, the Beauty and the Beast story. This, like I said, what was it last week? This isn't Shrek. The ogre isn't getting the girl. Yeah, I guess, you know, so far that's looking like looking like it's right. And you know what? I'm guessing you're right. That's not that's not a prediction. It's a spoiler. And it definitely spoiled that good time for Otis. He's still got Tucky. He does got Tucky. Good old Tucky. Well, we'll go ahead and move on. Got a special interview with uh, Renee Young joined by Lacey Evans. And again, you know, I don't know how we get this stuff right every time, but we've been complaining for quite some time that Lacey Evans was initially a bully when she showed up to the WWE and that it was hypocritical of her to call anybody else bullies, especially when you even saw her or said that you believed she was the one starting all the fights in the back, correct? Yeah, I even have her in my notes as Lacey attack you backstage Evans. I I do like the little spin that Lacey's trying to, you know what, you're not fooling me, Lacey. I see the spin you're putting on this little thing, okay? I see the spin that you're, oh, Calling girls nasties is is now a term of endearment. I'm not falling for it. Okay, no. you're not getting me. All right, I'm not. I'm not. You know what? This is real life, and I completely, completely don't get fooled that quickly. You understand me? You're not gonna fool me. You nasty. Now she commented on being a bully in the past, but the way she said it was until she met Sasha and Bailey. Like she changed her ways. No, no, she's still a bully. She's still the one picking fights and attacking people backstage. She didn't just change her colors all of a sudden. I don't know what she's trying to perpetrate here, but we aren't buying it. And we're not on the same page often, but we're on the same page here. Hey, you know what that means? Drink, drink. Well, you take a drink. I don't have a drink. Somebody, somebody's got somebody's got to hit the record button. Someone's got to keep this thing on the rails. <laughs> if this if this gets too crazy, it's just not even going to be a wrestling recap anymore. It's just going to be a, a whiskey talk. Just two guys ranting and screaming at each other that Baron Corbin's clearly the best. Yeah, well, one guy will say that, and it's definitely not this guy. I, I think that's happening on this show anyway. So yeah. it probably will. The fact that Corbin is even remotely, you know, on any show that we talk about is just it. And you would bring it. We could be talking hockey and you're going to somehow find a way to bring up King Corbin. Yeah. He's the best goalie to ever lace up at skates. <laughs> Did you not know this? He teaches a class on Thursdays. He's the penguins favorite son. <laughs> yeah. And, and if Arizona could ever keep ice, he would, then they had a hockey team. He'd be their favorite son. Probably already is anyway. In the land of the sun, he is their favorite son. 
So let's speaking of off the rails, let's get back on track here, buddy. So yeah, Lacey Evans trying to clear the, you know, you know, trying to clear all the all the bullying talk about herself, goes ahead and comes clean about it. She's bad. She, you know, and she knows now that she's lost. She's in the back of the line and she's going to have to work to accomplish getting back up front. Do you believe that she can come back from losing to Bailey after all that bully talk, all that talk that she was getting, you know, basically screwed over and picked on and she just lost? I don't buy her narrative, but I do buy the talent. I'm never going to deny the talent that is Lacey Evans, but she has a long way to go. And she's got to pick herself up by her bootstraps and just get to trying and don't attack people backstage. That isn't the way to the front of the line. Right. You can't have a backstage mask unless there's you can't pin any or attack anybody unless you can win backstage and you can win backstage in a false count anywhere match and a false count anywhere rule happens in this next match that we have called the symphony of destruction match with Braun Strowman and Elias versus Cesaro and Nakamura. How did you feel about this match overall? sir? we already ran across it a little bit at the top of the uh, show, but how did you feel about it once we got into it? Well, I just, I felt like this was going to be the greatest Elias concert ever. I, I don't know how I feel about him wrestling all the time, uh, but I know his talents when it comes to instruments. You always see him with the guitar, but we know that he's more than that. He could get on those drums and play. And I'm surprised that he didn't have a full ensemble when he performed Sweet, Sweet Symphony for everybody. I mean, I shed a tear. Did you not shed a tear for that song? It was beautiful. It was. It was a, a beautiful song. So... Starting off, actually coming to the to the ring first with Cesaro, and he has a guitar case, you know, making his entrance. And then we have a rock star following and Nakamura, and he comes out with the great liberator himself, Sami Zayn. And then Elias comes out, and everybody knows the universal truth, to which Elias replies with, nice. And he has that sweet, sweet symphony written, and that sweet, sweet symphony was the introduction for Mr. Braun Strowman himself, the intercontinental champion Braun Strowman, carrying that gigantic stand-up bass. I believe he's brought this to the ring with him before, has he not? Yeah, and I think he used it against Elias. Interesting. Well, and you know? he wrote a song for Elias at the time. It was it was a good song. That's true. Was that, was that before or after his relative, was it Brain Strowman showed up? I think that was before Brain showed up. Was it Brain? Am I, it was, do I have it, that correct? It, it was Brain Strowman, his brother. Have we heard from him since? No, we haven't. It was really weird because it was Brain and then all of a sudden it was like a magic trick and Braun was – it was a really weird night for me. I don't really want to talk about it. But I do want to talk about Sammy and his ukulele because you, know what, you, you told right. me it was a small guitar. Right, right. And I was obviously wrong. I'll go ahead and put that on podcast right now. I was wrong. It wasn't just a small guitar. It was a ukulele. And you know what, Patrick, you were right about that. Thank you. I wasn't sure if we'd get there, but I'm glad we did. Now, speaking of getting there first, the match started and and you, you and I both have been musicians at some point in our life, whether good or bad. And you're looking around at these instruments. And what did you think they would attack with first? Because if it was me, it would have been the gong. I would have slammed someone's face right into that gong right off the bat. You know what? I think I would have went for the drum, much like the drum happened. I think the drum was a, a big thing. I would. I don't think I would have slammed it all the way through them. Maybe just you know slammed it halfway. Maybe could trap their arms inside the drum. That was my first thought of what was going to happen. But I guess bronze is just too powerful. Yeah, and and the drum. Uh, what I have is, if not the gong first, the drum was a great option. It, it clearly did its part. Uh, but then Cesaro got back in the ring and uh, 
He had his guitar case. He did have his guitar case. Uh, the one thing that I was interested in was uh, Cesaro's use of the cowbell this match. I know that you hate cowbell, right? So how did you feel of Cesaro with the cowbell? I don't hate the cowbell. There's just a time and a place for cowbell. And last time he had the cowbell, he had too much. We needed less. But in a symphony of destruction match, this is when you need more cowbell. And he gave more cowbell. Did you not like that? I did. I love the cowbell every time. I tell you what was uh, funny to me. Not funny because I don't like seeing people get, you know, I don't like seeing Braun getting hit or hurt in matches. But Sammy baited the hell out of Braun to run right into one of Nakamura in an instrument. And Nakamura smashed that thing right across Braun. Yeah. Yeah. And and then at some point, Braun just became like an F8 tornado. He was just all over the place. And unfortunately, it led to him getting a keyboard to the back, which led to the double team onto the base. I actually have a note here that says Braun running around just wrecking kids. I have F8 tornado. So we're right on the same line there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, at that point, because he even choke slammed Cesaro on the apron. And that's when Sammy comes up, brings that keyboard to the back, which had to hurt. Oh. Um, it tries to be a double team suplex or they do a double team suplex through the base that he actually brings. Uh, Cesaro tried to pin him. Strowman got a shoulder up. Everybody's crawling around. Elias is back in the fight. Grabs a trombone. Nakamura stops him. Then Nakamura actually pulls off some nunchucks and then tries to kick Elias, but gets hit, uh, but hits the gong, just like you thought was going to happen at some point. It had to happen at some point. Now, what I noticed with the matches is I was how impressed I was with Elias and Braun. Now, they're amazing individuals. There's no denying it. Braun is a freak of nature, a monster among men. And Elias, not only being an amazing musical talent, just look at the size of this guy. And they were doing amazing things in this match, but you notice that they always did it individually. Sammy inspires so much teamwork that Nakamura and Cesaro were working together. They weren't off by themselves attacking someone. They're always together. And then, I don't know if you want to get here yet, but then Shinsuke gets slammed into a piano, and I don't know if he can wrestle anymore. That was absolutely terrible. Um, I don't like to see, as, as I stated, I don't like seeing these wrestlers get hurt. I mean, they yes, they fight for a living, but let's be careful out there, guys, okay? Throwing through a piano, why is that even out there? I understand this is a symphony of destruction match. I understand the guitars hurt, but they're not just, they're not earth shattering. Slamming onto a piano is earth shattering. That had to hurt. You see as Braun was getting up, uh, Nakamura was reaching at the back of his head, having a bloody back of the head. It was just dangerous. And I don't think that's something that these uh, fighters should be going through. And something that was overshadowed because of just how brutal that was. It was one of the few times I wasn't sure if I wanted to watch anymore because that just looked so bad. I'm surprised they didn't have EMTs rushing out for for Nakamura. But Elias did like this sky high elbow uh, to Cesaro on a table like that was amazing, too, and dangerous and scary. But it was overshadowed because of what Braun did to Nakamura. I tell you, like I said, this is one of the most destructive, and I don't like saying it just because of the injuries that were involved, but it was so entertaining, the things that went on here. So I'm on, I'm in lines with you. They may be gladiators, but I hope they heal. 
they heal fast and they get back to doing what they love. Exactly. We want, we want everybody healthy. We want good fighters, good, good wrestlers. We want everything good. So uh, can we just skip over this next part? Do, do we really need to talk about this? Is this something that you really want to put our listeners through right now? Yes, I do, but we'll keep it short. King Corbin is going to do what we all knew he was always going to do. Even saying his name infuriates me. Well, I'm going to tell him all about it tonight. Don't. Over Don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> but he's going to finish his Roman problem one-on-one. Then hopefully he's going to get himself a new court because, you know, I- I'm starting to agree with the court jester thing because everywhere they go, you think that having someone like Dolph and Rude would lead to success, but they seem to drag people down. I mean, they drug the A-team down against the Usos in the New Day. Like, who would have thought? So hopefully this is the the end of the Roman thing and the beginning of a long, healthy, kingly reign. Hopefully. Okay, thank you for speaking about that because I don't think I want to talk about it anymore. I don't like the fact that he thinks, and he does bring up kind of a good point now, his reasoning behind it. Uh, he says that Roman's never beat him one-on-one, which is why this steel cage match is important. But I, I, do you honestly think that it's going to be a 1v1 match, or do you think that his cronies are going to get involved again? They're in a cage. What What do you think's going to happen? Do you think they're going to climb in? No. I mean, the Usos might because they can't be trusted. But I think that the king wants this one-on-one. He wants to show Roman who he really is, who we all know Roman to be, someone that rides on the back of everybody around him, never does anything substantial to benefit anybody, and just mooches off of everybody around him. And and we're all tired of it. So thank goodness we have the king to take care of this for us. And they're going to have this wonderful cage match. And then he's going to become victorious again over Roman and no one cares about him anymore. And hopefully he'll just, maybe he'll retire. Wouldn't that be great? You know, it would be, it would be great is if I could get a nice blissful moment, sir. Coming up next, we discuss a moment of bliss with the goddess herself, Alexa Bliss. Now, I know that you were probably as excited for a moment of bliss as I was. Oh, definitely. And, and Alexa was by far the best part of all of this. And at one point, they were talking about how amazing Alexa is. And she says, no, no, let's stop. No, let's keep talking about Alexa Bliss. I miss, I really wish more girls were like Alexa Bliss. I do too. I wish they could all be Alexa Blisses. You know, she even has, a, I think, a song somebody has sang about her now. I'm well, sure there's lots, there. lots of songs people have sung about her. This is true. But currently, speaking of songs being sung, uh, we have... The Bella Twins coming out after the announcements of announcements of the rest of the Hall of Fame inductees this year. The Bella Twins get their announcement. Crowd cheers, gets excited. Everybody's excited because this is their hometown. And do you know that? Did you know that Alexa or Moment of Bliss was the first female talk show? I did. I haven't really thought about it because I don't really like to separate women's from men's talk show. It's it's probably the best talk show. But I didn't know it was. I mean, I probably did know, but I I just I don't focus on stuff like that. PC culture. Take note. Take note right now. If this man ever becomes a politician, I want this soundbite, this soundbite from this show taken and put everywhere. Patrick, I appreciate, appreciate your caring of not separating genders like that. 
No, no, it's 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 how it should be. Alexa Bliss is a star, whether she's a man or a woman. So Yeah, that's true. And it and it's good that you're not <laughs> Alexa, stop. That is staying in the show. I hope I hope you know that. That's staying in the show. We I'm can't not talk about her anymore, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. We're just gonna have to you move can't. Right I on. just I can't yeah. apparently. Yeah, I'm gonna talk about her all I want, and you can't say we're gonna have to get you a code name for her. Just say the goddess. I'm just gonna say yeah, the goddess or bliss. So uh, or just the highlight of my life, whichever one. So uh, we went ahead and didn't move on from this because we do see a nice little appearance by Daniel Bryan himself. He stole a kid. <laughs> like, what? Why are you just carrying around kids? Yeah, I guess he did. It's so weird. Maybe it was just a nice gift to Brie. Yeah, here, you're in the Hall of Fame. Have a partially grown child. Hey. So weird. I bet you Braun could take that child and go become tag team champs. Yeah, I would say, you know, prior to him winning the Intercontinental, Intercontinental Championship, that's the only way he could win it if he was carried by a child, but not anymore. He won one, so guess we'll just move on to Brian versus someone who actually has kids. Right. Someone who has kids, is known for having kids, is there to take care of his kids. And guess what? He's considered ever ready, always ready. They call him all day Heath Slater, and he's ready for this match against Daniel Bryan. So they start off at a break. We come back from the break. Slater's going ahead and pushing Bryan around. Slater gets put into the yes lock, but with Drew Gulak on uh, commentary, then he's telling us that he went ahead and worked a little bit with Slater. And you could tell in this match, Slater was actually putting on a little bit of a performance here. Maybe there were some holes in, in Daniel Bryan's game. Do you believe that's true? That is the truest thing you've said all night because Gulak exposed the holes. He never expected Heath Slater to win. He's too worried about his kids. They're still crying from the last time because he wasn't ready because he's always ready except when he's not. So, but did you notice that Gulak on, Gulak on commentary was still coaching in the match whenever Heath got up on the, the corner post? It's like, dang, man, get down. He was. <laughs> and he didn't listen. Otherwise, he probably could have exposed enough holes to win that match. Right. I mean, Gulak's, Gulak's pretty sure he could make Daniel Bryan look like Swiss cheese with that many holes in his game. I'm surprised. that My my thing that I'm interested in is I would like to see the PowerPoint. I'd like to see the PowerPoint that was probably made and delivered to Heath Slater with all the goals in or all the holes in Daniel Bryan's game. And how did, well, how know, did they get finished with it before the match even started? Well, that's the point. They didn't get finished. Clearly, they didn't get through the whole PowerPoint. That's why he went up on the, the quarter post. That's why he didn't listen, because they hadn't reached that part of the PowerPoint with those holes in his game. So had he watched the entire, had time for the entire PowerPoint, well, we would have been saying something else about the winner of this match. We would have. And you know what? I'm, I'm glad you pointed out how Gulak was still coaching, because I also have written in my notes, Heath, dang it, get down. Get down from there. Gulak said, get down. And I have dang man, get down. Dang man. <laughs> so, so, uh, oh, look at us. Uh, I know we're, we're right in line, but it's because I don't want you moving on to the next section. I don't. All right. Lead us on. Uh, no, you know, what? you go ahead. You go ahead. And on to the next thing is now we get to decide who's going to face Bailey as super showdown. First thing we see actually no, no, no. You let me take the lead. We're skipping that. Why are we skipping that? 
Because we don't need to know how successful Dolph is. Not only did he get the girl last Friday, now they're riding together. The power couple is together. We don't need to know that Otis looks like Sasquatch roaming out of the forest. We don't need to know that. Don't put that on the man. Let him heal. Did you notice what I noticed also? Did you see a little bit of like TV distortion? No, I I didn't. Was there something? Yes, and it's been happening for a couple weeks now, except this time there was like a symbol. Huh. See, I, I, I guess I catch some of that, but I just figured that when you've been running as long as they have, there's going to be hiccups. So I don't, you're trying to run 800 different cameras, 9,000 mics, all these superstars. You're bound to slip up every now and again, not to mention that it was just a couple of weeks ago that uh, Baron Corbin threw one of the producers out down some stairs. So maybe that's the guy that's supposed to be running this stuff. I don't know what's going on, but I'm not going to hold it against. I'm not going to focus on something so small. Well, I'm just saying that I noticed it and I've been noticing it and it's kind of scary. I mean, I don't know if it's supposed to be scary or what's happening or if they're just screwing up, but how are they going to keep having that happen week to week? How are they supposed to? It's not. Listen, the guy's going to heal up. It wasn't that far of a fall down the stairs. He's going to heal up and he'll, it'll go back to normal. You don't have to be scared. This isn't like the fiend lights going out. It's just a little hiccup when they're transitioning between cameras. It's okay. So as you stated, Dolph leaves with the girl and Otis is there and Otis is, Ooh, so sad, sir. I hate to see this. I hate to see this happen to this guy. I mean, he's broken. Then why do you want to talk he's about He's broken it? hearted. I mean, because yeah, don't, Hey, just leave him alone. No. I, 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 I knew this was going to happen from the start, and I don't like seeing Otis sad. He is a happy-go-lucky guy. He doesn't deserve to be sad. I was trying to save him from this in the beginning. Of course, he doesn't listen to us yet, but he was pretty preoccupied with a pretty girl, so I'm not going to hold that against him. But we don't need to sit there and revel in his misery. That's a that is so far below you. I expect him better. I'm not reveling in his misery. I'm being empathetic to the person. I'm empathetic to the way that he feels. And I can sympathize with the guy. And I don't like to see what's happening. I don't like that you also cheer for this jester, this court jester, Dolph Ziggler. I cheer for the budding romance between two of the best looking people on SmackDown. I cheer because they were meant to be from the beginning before Otis started helping her not be eliminated from stuff, helping her win matches. When Before that happened, we knew that Dolph and Mandy deserved to be together. I didn't know that, and I didn't believe it. But we're going to move on before we hear more of this rhetoric, sir. Uh, we see that Naomi's come into the ring, then they go to break, and then back from break, we see a nice video from Seamus talking some junk, hunting bigger prey, and announcing that he's going to be in the elimination chamber. Yeah, I was so happy because it looks like there's finally no more Shorty G. And now there is. There is. You, you <laughs> did not last long. You thought Shorty G was was done with television, sir, but he is still there. And he's talking to Apollo about bullying. And then Apollo ditches him. Ditches him. Apollo finally wisened up. Strike another listener to Wrestling and Review, your weekly wrestling recap. Apollo realized by listening to us, that the Shorty G route was not the route to go, and he's going to handle Sheamus his way, which hopefully is saying, good luck on the bigger prey. I'm going to go wrestle elsewhere. 
Well, you know what? We'll see if he's going to. But I don't know what Shorty G's next move is. He's losing friends. He's losing matches. You know what? He's he's just losing pride. That's it. And he's lost my vote of confidence. I've already stated this. And he's going to have to really just dig back up. So I'm not even going to discuss Shorty G anymore. I don't have the time to discuss Shorty G anymore and how much he's let me down. And I've had to hear about him and hear about him and watch him get beat and watch him get beat. I'm tired of it. Yeah, he lost all credibility, so let's lose all attempts at talking about him and move on to the SmackDown Women's Champ observing this match to see who she's going up against. Yes, we have Naomi versus Carmella. We see Naomi already in the ring. Carmella's coming to the ring. They uh, they, they shake some hands. Then, you know, then there's some sportsmanship, but no, Naomi doesn't have that for long. So Naomi goes ahead and throws, off, uh, throws Carmella into a headlock. They start going back and back. Now, what I, back to back. Now, what I noticed is this was a very slow, very methodical match. I think we heard the announcers even talking about it. That each of these competitors were afraid to get caught in something. Did you notice that? Yeah, I don't know that. I think they were just scared to be the ones that actually have to face Bailey. I think that's what it is. They're just like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. Maybe you should do it. I understand. I get it. I get it. But Naomi. Don't get distracted by people outside of the ring. There was so, don't do there it. was so much caution in this match, so much caution. But it was it was a good match nonetheless. But uh, you could tell at one point Bailey actually decides that she's going to start talking some junk. She's decided she's going to come in and do some distractions, and so we can actually see who she actually wants to face. Did you think, or do you think it's smart for her to want to face Naomi or face Carmella over Naomi? No. Carmella is starting to get the hang out of Bailey. You know, they just face each other and, and, you know, maybe she uh, does one of these smooth transitions into the code of silence. And, you know, it's, it's like the RKO of submissions came out of nowhere. And so I don't think Bailey, I mean, Bailey said it last week. She doesn't care who she faces. She's just talking smack because Naomi has been gone for so long and thinks she can just, show right back up in the title picture. That's not how this game works. You got to work your way up. You're down there with Lacey right now. Go back and and maybe you guys can like form a nasty crew and then maybe work your way back up. But not right now. This is Carmella's time. Well, Carmella was doing very well in this match versus Naomi, but Naomi was holding her own and we get a little nice little butt thump from Naomi at the end, a neck breaker from the turnbuckle, then her little split moonsault and she wins and we officially have our match at Super Showdown with Bailey versus Naomi and I think it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Did you say butt bump? I did. I said a butt thump with a th. Oh, butt thump. Yeah. Butt bump might it, you it, butt bump or butt it, thump. What, what what should we call? It? I think they call it the rear end. Yeah, it's called the rear view. Rear view. <laughs> I just did a. I just said the rear end, like you know, a name for. The yeah, butt. no, that that that's something, but it's it's the rear view because they they their face goes into the rear, you know. Anyway, that rear view would usually be enough to take out a normal competitor, but not Carmella. She kicked out of that one, but like you said, eventually Naomi did get the one up, so now we get to see her face uh, Bailey, but that's not going to be anything. That's not going to be any news. Bailey's going to retain. You don't become the uh, longest reigning SmackDown women's champion by accident. So let's just move on to what are we moving on to? Oh, buddy, we're moving on to the man, the myth and the legend himself, 
Goldberg. Goldberg comes to the range surrounded by the security that he usually has because he's known to attack people around him. He's very uncontrollable. He's, you know, he's been one of the toughest, most intense wrestlers of all time, to be honest. And he comes out to the ring ready to talk. But guess who decides to show up behind him? Oh, no, 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 no. You're you're skipping. You're skipping some really important steps here. I'm skipping something that I'm getting tired of not getting to enjoy. I haven't been able to enjoy the Firefly Funhouse in a while because the Fiend has this little bit of influence over the show. And it just seems like it's not as enjoyable to watch anymore with my children. Well, he protects the show. But Bray came out to try to get to know Bill. But Bill says he knows Bray. But he, Goldberg does not know Bray Wyatt, and he's trying to get to know him, but he doesn't want to get to know him, so it wasn't out of nowhere. It wasn't an interruption like the New Day. It was an introduction. It's about time that The Fiend and Goldberg met. Well, they did meet. They met face-to-face, and The Fiend, we actually get to see, got hurt, and I think got scared. That's what you learned out of this? Absolutely. That's what you saw? Absolutely. You know what I saw? As I saw the fiend stand there and ta- and let Goldberg spear him. Everybody knew that's what Goldberg's going to do. But the fiend's already starting his mind games, letting Goldberg think he has the upper hand. And you know what? The fiend is going to change Goldberg. He's going to change him like he's changed everybody else. And he's going to change Goldberg into a guy that stays retired. Oh, well, we'll see if that happens. But I think that it showed I think that it gave Goldberg some confidence. Goldberg has actually gotten to hit the fiend now. So he's no longer this supernatural being that Goldberg can't touch. He's there and he felt it when he speared him. And I think that it's going to be a fantastic match at Super Showdown. There's nothing worse for a wrestler than false confidence and that's what Goldberg just got. And we'll see this tomorrow. We will. Now, let's go ahead and we're going to move on to Monday Night Raw. And obviously, what would Monday Raw, Monday Night Raw be like if we didn't have to start with Randy Orton for like the third time this week coming down to the ring to say absolutely nothing? See, what I have in my notes is I'm really starting to enjoy Raw because I don't really care why Randy did it anymore because I get to see him at the beginning of the show every week. Every week. And every week. And it's amazing. He comes out and he tries to tell us what happened. And this crowd gets stupid. And then some imbecile in the back thinks that they're going to be the ones that forces it out of them. Don't you realize that sometimes people have to work through their process? Give them a second. Don't show up in their face and yell at them and say, hey, why don't you tell me? Hey. I'm Matt Hardy. Why don't you tell me why you did that to Edge? Hey, I'm KO. Like, listen, no. Just let him do it. I don't know what KO's problem was interrupting because we already know that the Messiah and his disciples are going to beat him up because he promised that he'd get beat up every week. Maybe he thought he'd get a double dose this week. Well, when it comes down to it, I I used to care what Randy was thinking at some point, but he's just he's just He's crazy. You can't you can't you can't find out why he wants or why he's doing these things that he's doing. Now, he needs to apologize, as he says, and he he, he he's been apologizing. Uh, the crowd keeps booing him. But he has he actually said that he has emotions that have become imbalanced. Guess what? 
Randy, you have voices in your head. You have an entire song that talks about the voices in your head as you walk to the ring. Have you always considered yourself balanced? I think the problem is people think they know him. It's true. They do think they know him. And you know what? It was as as KO said, that was very clever of him to say. Speaking of which, KO comes out. Crowd wanted Edge. They were chanting at some point, but Edge isn't coming either. And Randy makes sure to tell everybody, hey, Edge can't be here tonight because of what I did to him. Yeah, he also says that no one will understand. Of course. But I'd understand so long as anybody would shut up long enough to let him talk. I already know he's sorry. So I know there's a good reason involved. And one of these days I will hear that reason, but probably not in the ring and definitely not in Winnipeg, Canada, because those guys are rude. What a rude country, Canada. Well, KO comes out and he gets a lot of chance. People were happy to see him. And he doesn't think that Randy Orton's apologies that have been happening mean anything. And Randy says he doesn't want to go down the road with 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 KO wanting answers. He doesn't want to do that. He's been doing that. And people who have been wanting answers have been getting hurt. So basically, in the end, KO's like, let's do this. Let's fight. And Randy leaves. Yeah, because he, he agreed to the match, but not on Kevin's time. And I love that he did that. That just shows how savvy of a vet he is. Because, sure, he'll fight Kevin. He's not scared of Kevin Owens. But who is Kevin Owens to demand time of Randy Orton? So, no, this is not when Randy decides, not when Kevin decides, because Kevin is but a flash in the pan next to Randy Orton. Well, I'm excited. I tell you what, I'm glad that at this point we know that him and KO got into a fight that night and that they fought that night and had a match that night because I wouldn't want to spend the next four weeks waiting for Randy Orton to have an answer to Kevin Owens' match because that's what it seems like. Every week, we're waiting on answers. and He just comes out with just nonsense and nobody will understand. All right, whatever. I'm going to move on from Randy because I've had enough of him crippling people, basically. I've had enough of him doing that. And we're going to move on to someone who I'm glad to see, Mr. Angel Garza and Zelina in the back. Yes. And they're talking about their business relationship. Because when you have someone as good looking as Angel Garza and someone as good looking as Zelina, there's obviously going to be some rumors, but they just wanted to get that settled out real quick. This is a business relationship. And the business has taken out old Dimples Carrillo. Because that guy needs to be taken out once and for all. That's true. And, you know, Garza, Garza wants to put his cousin where he belongs. And after that, he thinks he's going to be in the top spot. So they're actually, they're actually going to end up having a match, and they end up having a match. The match goes how you'd kind of expect it. These, both these competitors are fantastic. You know, we come back from break, and they're already in the ring. And, you know, Garza starts off cool. Garza gets the upper hand. And then we see that crazy upside down sort of like pyramid slap. Did you see that? The what? There, it was like a crazy upside down, like like face slapping pyramid. I can't I can't describe it otherwise. <laughs> That's that it sounds amazing. The only upside down thing uh, I remember is a kick to the face. I don't remember. A, uh, <laughs> I don't remember a slapping oh, pyramid. Oh, there's a slapping pyramid, sir. And you, you know what? I, I look forward to you seeing this and then calling me and go, wow, just I just saw the slapping pyramid because it was there. I'm not making this up. No, I believe you. And I kind of am a little upset that I don't remember that. But I think it's probably just because watching this match and seeing Garza kick 
Carrillo in the face. That was in lines with the piano smash. I thought that Carrillo was done. Like they're going to have to call off the match because it was tough. And I get a little ahead of myself because this was after the pants came off. Right. And you know what happened? Watch out, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> you know what happened? When those pants come off, people get kissed. Now, I don't think that anybody got kissed this time, luckily. But in the end, we had Zelina, of course. Vega get or she she went ahead and got the ref's attention per usual, and then after that it was just it was just kind of over. But you know, Korea couldn't pull it back together, and you know, Garza got the win with a pants grab. May I add, Garza is an amazing talent, and I don't like you undermining what he did, and I also don't like you undermining the fact that he did get kisses. He just got him on the way to the ring, right? He didn't have to wait till the pants came off. That's true. And that shows just how how charming he is. I don't know how he finds him in the he finds him in the crowd every time, but they just they can't say no to this guy. It's because all he has to do is look out and see a person. I'm not even saying it has to be a ladies. He's a ladies man, but he just has to go over there and someone's gonna give him a kiss. You just he just so suave, so debonair. This is true. And also I think with Garza is I see a bright future in front of this guy. You know, I see that he's already had to deal with some some drama from his cousin now. But with Vega having his back, dude, Vega is the like businesswoman of the century. You saw what she's done for El Idolo. Oh, yeah. He doesn't even have to defend his title right now because people realize that they don't want to mess with El Campeón de Unidos, Estados Unidos. That's what it is. El Campeón de Estados Unidos. Very good. I, I, I'm glad that you know. Uh, it's been a while. Yeah, I'm glad you know a couple words in Spanish in, a, in an entire phrase. It does. It does help to our go to our bilingual crowd out there that they know what you're saying now. Yes, and uh, but I agree. Angel has a bright, bright future. He is an amazing talent, and he's only going to keep doing better things. And unfortunately, he did have to start by beating up his cousin, but you know, diamonds are made from, from pressure, from stress. So he's getting that over with and he's going to come out of diamond and he's going to come out as probably one of the top uh, wrestlers in the WWE. Yep. He's going to be a girl's best friend, much like he is now. And speaking of a girl who is also a man, I, I, I don't going with this. I have no idea. I have no no correct segue from going from Garza. You know, Garza's like a main event. So but we're heading to can, can I try? Yeah, go ahead. Can I can I yes. try? Speaking of pressure and <laughs> we got the toughest guy in the building's best friend and Luke Gallo's going against Ricochet. We do, but you're passing. Did I miss something? Yeah. Becky talks for like a quick second. No, no one cares about that. Was that just the flashbacks? Because no, we don't, we don't, that is, no, we don't want that. I'll have to go over that, but we'll go ahead and skip it and go straight to the superhero right now. Superhero versus Luke Gallows. Mr. Ricochet, Ricochet comes down to the ring. OC comes down to the ring. Luke Gallows decides that he's going to go ahead and start things off with a shebang, gets in the ring, does a little shimmy shake. These are all just things I'm making up. That didn't happen at all, just so you know. Uh, Ricochet got control and ends up diving on Gallows. Ricochet just springboard into a big boot. You know, it's back and forth between these two. We see some rear headlocks, some elbows. Then we see like a standing shoot, like kind of a running standing shooting star press. And then he hits him with the recoil, then shooting star from the top rope, and Ricochet gets the win. Yeah, he uh, he dodged a bullet not getting the toughest guy in the building this time around with the toughest spine buster in the building. 
But this really, uh, I don't know what happened, but I just, I feel like maybe the OC are a little off their game right now. I think maybe they're, they're too focused on Mr. WrestleMania and what he's got going because we are on the road to WrestleMania. So maybe they're just not focused because Ricochet shouldn't be getting these wins, not against the best tag team in the world. This shouldn't be happening. This is true. And I don't know if you know how clever you are, but I think it comes out naturally. And even by accident, you just say Ricochet dodged a bullet. Correct? Yes. Right. And there is a bullet sound at the beginning of his music with a Ricochet sound. Yes, that is true. And did you did you notice that during this match, they uh, they cut to Paul Heyman in the back watching the match, looking like an aroused chipmunk? An aroused chipmunk? Thanks a lot. Now we have to put explicit content. Aroused is not explicit. Aroused is explicit. No, it's not. How is that explicit? Isn't aroused like... Excited? Like, Stimulated? Uh, are you gonna are you gonna yeah. knock any of those? I mean, Would you like me to say stimulated chipmunk? I mean, I guess it just means yeah. Uh, I guess stimulate aroused usually just has other connotations. I guess. Well, I mean, it all means the same thing in the end, but the word itself, and even in the in the connotation we're using, it it's not bad. We're not saying anything. I didn't say anything that I wouldn't say around my kids. I mean, aroused is not a bad word. Well, I mean, it's not a bad word, but I believe one of the definitions is to excite someone sexually. That was my point. Oh, so you but did. If I oh, say, so you were saying that he looked like a sexually aroused chipmunk. Yes, but saying sexually aroused chipmunk, now you got to put on that explicit Damn content. It. You say aroused, and you're getting around. You it. tricked me into that. <laughs> That's what your whole point was. You wanted to cuss and you wanted to say all these terrible things, but you can't do it till I go ahead and blow the uh, safe for work tag. I, I I did not. But speaking of terrible things, Alistair Black is just walking around backstage like he owns the place right past the OC without paying his respects. Can you believe this? Yes. The shenanigans this guy's trying to pull. Yes, I can believe it because Alistair Black shouldn't be leaving anywhere. anywhere. People are supposed to be knocking on his door. I didn't see him knocking on a door. I just see him walking around. But I don't think he was just walking around. Wasn't he walking to a match? Yeah, he, he was. He was going to go do his match. But you got to pay your respects to the OC, the original, the only club that matters. But he didn't. And he ended up paying the price. And remember, no one's knocking on his door anymore. He's looking for fights. That is true. He's uh, looking for fights now. And he found one. And And he didn't get to pick this one. It picked it for him. So, you know. Maybe make better decisions in the future. Well, I think that it was maybe just the OC taking off some steam, dude. Like taking off some steam on somebody because they did not seem too happy with each other in the back. No, I mean, they, they uh, like I said, there's something that they're distracted by. And I think it is the road to WrestleMania because when you are Mr. WrestleMania, when you are the showstopper, you don't go into WrestleMania season lightly. So they're probably a little bit stressed and they're a little off their game. And when someone comes by, someone is green and unimportant as Alistair Black comes by and doesn't pay respects. Yeah, well, he's going to get what's coming to him, especially when he talks about wanting to fight all the time. Where was his wanting to fight right now? Because I didn't see it. I just saw him get beat up. Yeah, he did get beat up. And, you know, we see the effects of that later on during his match. Before we get to that match, though, Mr. Mr. Paul Heyman, the advocate of Barack Lesnar, 
and Brock Lesnar himself, he's actually there, comes out to the ring. And Paul Heyman starts to discuss how people are trying to get catchphrases and just be these mega superstars. And he says, Brock doesn't need a catchphrase. He doesn't need anything like that. Because when Brock does something like laces up his boots and gets into a fight, it's a special occasion. And then suddenly those people owe Brock something. And Brock owes Ricochet one of those crazy, crazy, crazy visits to Suplex City. Yeah, he definitely owes him one. But all Paul Heyman was saying, what we all already know, there was nothing new here. I mean, I don't. I I guess Paul just likes to hear himself talk because we didn't. We all know that Ricochet is going to lose at uh, the Super Showdown. We all know that Drew McIntyre is going to beat Brock Lesnar, and we all know that we'll only see Brock Lesnar twice between here and WrestleMania. So, you know, I don't. So you don't believe in miracles. I believe in miracles, but that would be so far past a miracle if Ricochet won. And remember, it's a spoiler. He's only missed one in like 15 years. So who was that? Who I don't was, think do, it's going to remember when again. the last spoiler was wrong. Yeah, it was Drew McIntyre. I guess so. That was the last one, which is probably why they're uh, pretty upset about everything going on. But exactly. And, and I sure hope he doesn't try that spoiler line at WrestleMania because then he'll have too wrong that's true maybe we could see him not maybe he knows deep down that brock is gonna lose it's happened from time to time not often but it has happened so we can expect that it'll happen again and we can expect that drew mcintyre the beast man that he is is going to slay that beast and instead of (laughs) we just listen we'll get to that when we get to that what we're getting to now as that Brock Lesnar actually showed up to work and we can move on to the next segment. Good for you, Brock. Thanks for showing up. Collect that paycheck. Collect it. Yes. The next segment, we actually get a repeat. Wasn't this a match from last week as well? Yeah. I, I, I don't know why we're seeing it again. Maybe the thing in the cage felt like Rowan should go back at it. I feel like Black dodged a ball. I mean, this is no Kevin Johnson match, but Rowan is no light thing to take lightly. You know, he's a big guy with a lot of power, and Black obviously is worse for the wear. I don't know why he ever even went to this. He should have just went and hid behind his door, licked his wounds, and tried this again later. He was wounded too, man. They gave him a pretty good beating in the back. We haven't seen Alistair like that uh, in a while, and, you know, he limped to the ring. Rowan kind of just, you know, took care of him and really just put him through the ringer. But Black just what would not stay down, would not stay down at all. And he just fought from fought from being down in this match the whole time. And then finally, towards the end, he's able to just get that deadly black mass and the fight was over with. Yeah, I will. I will give it to Black for as beat up as he was. He kept fighting. And I I wasn't sure what made him keep pushing forward in this match. And I found out after it was his unbridled rage, which will only get you so far. Rage burns out or burns you up. One of the two. So, but we did see that probably the only reason he was able to get the victory here was because Rowan's pet was knocked down. He had to save the pet. Then there was a 10 count. He almost missed it. So right when he rolled in the wing or into the ring, 
That's when Black got that Black Mass in. But again, it took two. The first one didn't knock out Rowan, and that's scary because we've seen how many people get laid out by the Black Mass. Yep, that's true. We've seen countless people get laid out by the Black Mass, and Rowan seems to just take that first one and just sort of take it, almost just like he's ready for it every time and can kind of just set his mind right with it. But in the end, I guess he just can't overcome two of them. No, and uh, really he didn't overcome the first one. He may not have got the pen, but – Rowan definitely wasn't sure what day it was after getting hit with that first one. So uh, two black masses match is done and we get to move on to uh, the man we both admire and he's not in action. He is getting interviewed again. It's like, that's all people want to do now is interview the man. Yep. That's right. And I think that, uh, you know, I didn't really understand a lot what he was talking about in this interview. Um, I believe he was mentioning either he used to be some sort of, I guess there's an independent wrestling thing. Um, I, I don't know anything about that. I, I'm, I'm sure. Maybe that's like, is that like the minor leagues in baseball or something? Maybe there's something out there where, you know, like they, they train people. That's weird that he'd get sent there because, you know, in this interview, he talked about how he was anointed the future of the WWE and and he felt like he just didn't. He didn't hold up to that title. And I, I agree. He didn't. He was, I don't know, maybe he's just too young, a little bit selfish, but he came back. And the biggest thing I got from him coming back and what he said in this interview is he doesn't care if Brock loses to Ricochet. He doesn't care who he fights. He just wants to get his title shot so he can be the champ and no longer be the future. No longer. And he doesn't want to be the people, uh, you know, what people talk about being the past. He wants to be the champion. He wants to be the present. And that's what he's going to be. I mean, we, we already discussed this pretty in detail about Brock, but Drew's got this in the bag. You and I are going to be drinking beers, cheering up whenever he hoists that title at the end of WrestleMania. I'm excited to see it. He just, you know, I don't really think that, you know, you can really deserve something. I guess maybe you deserve what you win, but he he's definitely deserves what he's earned, which is to be the future of the WWE and the present right now. So we'll go ahead and get excited to see him finally take out if, 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 again, if, if Ricochet loses. But that spoiler's already been foretold, correct? Correct. We already know what's going to happen. Everybody knows what's going to happen. So we can get ready for the, the match probably of the year between Brock and Drew. That will be exciting. Um, but now we'll move on to what I was a little bit confused. And I think everybody was a little confused. Was this not? Was this not? Confused? A tr- Do you mean excited about the winter premiere of Truth TV? Yes, I was confused that there was a Truth TV episode tonight. Or not tonight, but on Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you mean... You didn't know that Truth TV was going to have the WWE power couple of Bobby Lashley and Lana on Truth TV? Did you not know this was happening? No, I believe I thought this was going to be a match. So that's what Lana thought too, but I've just grown to not trust Lana and what she says. So I just figured that Bobby's still upset about something. He always seems mad about something. Well, she's probably hard to listen to. I mean, have you not heard her talk? 
Hey, whoa, whoa, don't let Bobby hear you. You already got Baron after you. I won't. Careful, that man. That's his wife. No, yeah, <laughs> that is his wife, and we don't want Bobby Lashley coming after me. So, because he is really, really, really big, so, just like Truth says. So, I'm guessing Truth found out about the same time that you found out that this was not, in fact, the winter debut of Truth TV, but was a match against Bobby Lashley. I was a little upset about that, too, because he was still trying to do the interview when Bobby started charging in. And I really want to know, did Bobby see Sonic? I don't think. Because if he hasn't, he should. I saw it. And it was good. And Bobby would like it. You, he should take his wife. You sure? Get a large popcorn. Maybe two. You sure Bobby would like it? No, <laughs> no I'm not sure because he always looks mad. But I hope he would. He might crack a smile. If not. He'll enjoy the popcorn. Yeah, I guess he will. And he can probably eat a lot of it. That's a big man. It's a really big man. Now, I noticed from this is it's Bobby was being very rough and just he seemed a little too into this match. And I don't know what what he has going on. Maybe it is, you know, maybe there's something going on. I hope there's no rocky marriage going on. This is pretty early in the marriage for something to be going wrong. But what I did see was truth throwing a little tribute to his childhood hero and john cena that's what's up this is right and again you still don't realize how this is possible but you know what i think we're just thinking of it wrong i'm sure truth wouldn't lie about his childhood idol being john cena i don't have to understand it to accept it because truth wouldn't lie to me it's in his name this is true you always get the truth from him the r-truth so we're going to go ahead. better than the S. This is true. Anyway, so ultimately Lashley gets the spear in, wins the match. I I I guess this is kind of a lead up to the uh the the gauntlet match is coming a super showdown. They're all going to be in here and the, I guess people are just uh measuring each other up. I I hate that we didn't get the proper interview on Truth TV, but we move on to uh what Turned out to be probably one of the highlights of the night for me and the six man, six woman contract signing for the Elimination Chamber. That's right. We have Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, Sarah Logan, Natalia, and Asuka. And they were they joined the Hall of Famer, Jerry the King Lawler, in the ring. And then guess who shows up promptly super late? Miss Shayna Baszler. This isn't a good look for her to show up late. I don't believe so. I think that she kind of thinks she could show up when she wants and uh until she stops biting people, I'm not going to tell her otherwise. But what I noticed about all these women up here is, you know, it was a powder keg ready to explode. You could just see and hear because Asuka was yelling at everybody and talking about easy peasy it was and how she didn't care about any of it. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, Shayna makes her uh, her entrance. She signs and. You know, makes it, you know, better late than never, I guess. And and she goes up and starts trying to, uh, you know, rile some people up. And it it didn't take much. She got in uh, Natalia's face and Oscar decided that she wanted to be there. So she threw Natalia down and got in Shana's face. Well, Natalia didn't like that. And that was the spark. And then kaboom, everything went to hell in a handbasket. You knew this was a powder keg. You mentioned it a million times. Sometimes I don't even know why we have these contract signings, really. Like, uh, in if every 
I want, why don't they just hold this outside of the ring? I mean, plenty of contracts are getting signed for matches, probably every Monday and every Friday night. Why do they put this explosive of a situation where people can get hurt outside in the middle of the ring? Well, I mean, you've heard the phrase pictures or it didn't happen. Some things as big as a big of a match as the elimination chamber. Sometimes you need to see them signing it. You know, people can forge signatures and that's the only explanation I can see because why would you put up the disbanded riot squad? You know, with what Ruby riot did to live Morgan, that that wasn't going to sit for very long. And with Italian Oscar and everything that's been going on between them and with Shayna biting everybody, you just never know what's going to happen. And, Shoot, I I forgot about this, but the man even showed up. Like there wasn't enough chaos that the man showed up to attack Shayna, and then they had security trying to keep them off each other. It, this was just a mess. Like they they need to have security out of there ahead of time. That's right. Bring the security, but they're all back with you know they're they're all just back hanging out waiting for this powder keg to go off. But you know, and maybe they're all rented out to SmackDown. You know, there wasn't enough there wasn't enough security because they all got to protect Goldberg. That or maybe the king just hired too many of them because, you know, he rolls with security everywhere he goes. Absolutely. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and uh, we this this gets us kind of pumped up for this match. I'm excited to see the uh, elimination chamber. And I think that it's going to be, you know, fantastic. But speaking of fantastic and in the search of the ever so elusive smoke. Have, That's bad for your health. We have, we have two single matches coming up. You want to go ahead and talk about these two matches? Yeah, we got uh, Buddy Murphy versus Dawkins, uh, a very quick hitting match. And, uh, you know, Buddy is very good at what he does, but there seems to be a little size difference in this match. And uh, Dawkins got a really good hit on and went for the pin uh, on Buddy and Seth broke it up and unfortunately caused a DQ, but it's hard for someone with the title of Messiah not to always be looking out for his disciples. So I can understand why he did it. I don't know if he meant to, it's just kind of a, it's like breathing. It's just second nature for him to save his disciples. Uh, So then Montez gets up in the ring and says some pretty outlandish things about people getting hit so hard that names are missing. I, I don't, I didn't quite get it, but, uh, he needs to watch how he talks to uh, the Messiah because that instantly went into the next match because Seth went right in there because he's not scared of Montez. Like he's trying to find smoke. How smart can the guy be? So anyway, there's, there's a back and forth in the match and Dawkins trying to get involved in the match, like he's already had his and he's still trying to do some stuff. So the ref does what's right and tosses Dawkins out. And thank goodness. And Seth realized how good it was. And he saw his friend out there and he's so happy. He gave him a hug. And apparently a hug is enough to get kicked out of ringside because the ref kicked out Buddy Murphy, too. Man. So they're led on to what I thought was actually a really good match. I was actually quite surprised at, uh, Seth's, uh, or not Seth, but Montez Ford's sky high drop kicks. Like that guy is 
Like he's probably six foot tall, but he's eight foot long when he's sideways. It's weird. So anyway, uh, good match. Ultimately, we knew what was going to happen. Seth got the win. And uh, it, it, there was some smack talk, but, you know, no one really cares. Seth got the win, went to the back, and that led into uh, Orton's time when Orton decided this match was happening because he is Randy Orton. He is the KG vet. He is the veteran of the industry, and he is the main event of Monday Night Raw. He is, and I don't want to see Orton. I really don't. He's upset me way too much the past couple weeks. I don't think it's a good idea to have him anywhere around people. I'm surprised he's not suspended. How do you not get suspended from concertos? What 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 is management doing? Well, clearly... He didn't have people booing him nonstop. He didn't have people interrupting him in management meeting. And he got to tell them the reason he's doing what he's doing. And they realized, man, he has a point. That's why I want to know why he's doing what he's doing. And I'm tired of everybody. You'd probably be one of those people booing him. It would be. I, would. I can't. I don't even know why we're doing this podcast together. Booing Randy Orton. Yeah, he deserves to be booed is why. Okay. I've been booing that guy since he was a legend killer back in the day. All right. I have been cheering him from day one when he showed up in those funky trunks doing drop kicks like Montez Ford is doing now. You even said you even had a sign. The Orton era has begun. Yes. And it's still going. And it's, I don't know that it'll ever stop. Look at the guy. He's in amazing shape. He was. And, you know, this match was unfair. To be honest, you know, it's like I I, I want to see KO go ahead and just one-on-one Randy Orton and show him what he can do, you know, end up with a stunner and then finish the match. But, you know, there's not much you can do with, you know, Rollins showing up. You know, what, what is the Monday Night Messiah even doing out there? I'll tell you what he's doing. He is doing what KO promised the people, and he takes care of the people. And KO said he would get beat up every week. So here comes, even though he just got done with the match, just because he just he even got done taking care of Buddy, he is going to go out there and beat up KO for all of us. We forced him into this, but he bears that proudly. So KO, who was being very disrespectful to Randy, yelling at him and then like mocking him when his knee was hurt, not caring that he was injured. Like this is a villain through and through, but they were fighting and the disciples and the Messiah slowly got around the ring to watch. They just wanted up front seats. They're waiting for the match to be over. And then what happens? The Viking Raiders and the Street Profits didn't mind their business and started attacking the disciples. For no reason. They weren't doing anything. Is it illegal to watch a match up close? No. We all know where that's headed, though. They they preemptively stopped the disgusting cheating that was going to happen, okay? They're not coming out there to pick the fights. I know you like to, to lay that narrative out there to have this straw man that you love to pick on, but it's not real. They're there to protect the good, good resistance, Okay, and one of the leaders of the resistance to this Messiah is Kevin Owens. And they're not going to let Kevin Owens sit out there and fend against this entire, entire entity that is the Monday Night Messiah and his disciples. And we now we definitely now know that this message from the Monday Night Messiah is spreading and it's spreading to some of the most important people when it comes to wrestling, and that's the referees. 
didn't feel like you really liked the refs. Now you're calling them the most important people. The reason you need to pick a side, stop mocking them or start trusting them. I don't even know what to think of you anymore. The refs are important, which is why they can't be stupid. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Dang. Yes. So I want to get this straight because you're sounding kind of delusional. I think that you are just so set on hating Seth Rollins that you are going to here's KO who is screaming and yelling and purposely purposefully injuring people. And then within him doing that, there is a group of people outside of the ring standing there watching while another group runs up and starts punching them in the face. And so you think that the Messiah and his disciples are a fault and not KO and his misfits that are picking fights that are starting fights. So that are the ones that hit people. And then not only that, whenever Randy Orton pins KO. Now I will admit on my notes, it says there was a little something about that three count, but with all the chaos going on, we all know where this was going. Randy Orton was going to win anyway. So you know what? The ref just ended the match. And then Seth, being the nice guy that he is, offered up a chair or two to Randy Orton, just just in case he wanted him. Mm-hmm. Just just in case he needed a seat. Just in case yeah, he needed I mean, a seat, there, man. Maybe maybe Kevin needed one too, so he sent two chairs in. Sure. Nice guy. So basically, we see that quick three count. You didn't think anything was up right away. No, I, I thought something was up right away. But I just kind of assumed that the ref was making a, a, a decision for the company to try to stop too much chaos since there was already seven people outside of the ring fighting. So he just made a business decision. Randy Orton was clearly going to be the victor. He was clearly winning this match. So he just ended it with a quick three count. And then he got ended with a nice big uh, power bomb through the table. Well, uh, that was a little misconception you know he was a fan of seth rollins i mean who's not Mm -hmm. and i mean everybody looked at seth like it was his fault but seth doesn't know that man seth doesn't know who he is he just he can't control who follows him who understands the message that seth is purveying and you know what he is a good human being and what did your hero kevin owens do but yeah powerbomb this good human being through a table yeah. And you think that he is the good guy? No, he's a bad guy. He's attacking refs, putting him through tables, good human beings through tables. You, sir, need to get your mind right. Good human beings who do quick three counts. Quick. Yeah, probably saved Kevin Owens from getting sure injured even did. more. Sure it did. But you know I'm what? Sure, it did. This is this is just makes this just makes everything more exciting. You know what I mean? And that's what we have to look forward to is a bunch of new, exciting things to happen. I am excited to see what's going to happen with the Monday Night Messiah and his disciples gaining a number. And you know, this I think this isn't the first. This isn't the first uh, stained glass shirt we see under a uh, officials uniform i doubt it and i understand why it won't be and i get it and i'll be wearing my stained glass t-shirt i know you will be and you'll probably be wearing it 
as much as possible. You'll probably get a stained glass robe and you'll probably paint your actual glass in your in windows in your house's stained glass and you'll paint a picture of Seth Rollins all over it. You're going to have Seth Rollins tea and Seth Rollins soda pop and Seth Rollins popsicles and it's all going to be some sort of weird Monday Night Messiah ritual that you have and you'll do it on a on a Sunday and a Saturday and sooner or later it's not Monday Night Messiah anymore. It's just Messiah. Let's just not get crazy here. He is in a he has a great message and he is doing stuff for us, sacrificing himself for us. And I get it, but I am not delusional like you who thinks Kevin Owens is the good guy. So let's not get too crazy here. Let's not get too mad at each other. But we are nearing the end of the show. Not nearing. And so I want to do no, 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 nearing, because I want to do something with you. I want quick fire your picks on Super Showdown. Because that is tomorrow. So I want to see how we fare come next show. All right. Are you writing these down? I am. Hey. I got my pen in hand. Okay. You're going to ask the, the match question? I'm going to ask, and you just give me your your hips, your straight from the hip, who you think. So uh, this is in no particular order, but we got the Viking Raiders versus uh, the OC, Gallows and Anderson. Viking Raiders. Really? Okay. We got uh, Garza versus Old Dimples Carrillo. Uh, Carrillo. All right, we got uh, Mansoor versus the man of the hour, Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler. Oh, you're going to pick him. You just realize that all he does is win, win. Uh, then we got the Raw Tag Team Championship with Seth Rollins and Murphy versus the Street Profits. Street Profits. All right, and we got SmackDown Tag Team Championships with the New Day versus the A-Team. I believe that we're going to see the A-Team take this one. Ooh, look at you. I I know. You realize who the tag team of the 21st century is. They are on fire. Then we got the steel cage match of Roman Reigns versus Roman Reigns. The one, the only. Roman Reigns. You don't even even say his name. How dare you, sir? All right. And then we got uh, the gauntlet match of AJ Styles, Andrade, Rey Mysterio, Bobby Lashley, Eric Roman, and R-Truth. That is a tough one, but I kind of see Eric Rowan. That is a good pick, sir. Then we got Bailey versus Naomi for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Um, I think I'm going to go ahead and go with Bailey. I like that you, you're smarter than I thought you Thank were. Thank you, sir. Brock. Brock Lesnar versus Ricochet. Brock, Brock Lesnar. I, I want, you know what? I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles, but I do believe that Brock Lesnar is going to win this one. You believe in miracles? Just not that You're one. Right. Just not that one. And then we got the Universal Championship, The Fiend, Bray Wyatt versus Bill Goldberg. Man, this is tough. You know, I would have given this to Goldberg. If you would have asked me this match directly after the the first time he fought Brock Lesnar, even the second time he fought Brock Lesnar back in the, uh, what, a year ago or so. But currently, no. I, I think that Goldberg is officially kind of beatable, and I believe that The Fiend can beat him. Well, so we got The Fiend. I don't even know how that was tough for you. Like I said, The Fiend is going to change Goldberg into a guy that stays retired. So I'm just going to put mine down on podcast tape 
And I got the OC. I got Angel Garza. Of course. I got Dolph Ziggler. I got uh, Rollins and Murphy. I got the A-Team. I got the king of the WWE, King Baron Corbin. Ah, the, the gauntlet match. I am going to go with Mr. WrestleMania, AJ Styles. I'm going to go with Bailey, of course, because uh-huh. she is the longest reigning. The role model. Uh, yes, the role model. I'm going to go with Brock Lesnar because uh, I believe in miracles, but not this one. And The Fiend is going to do everything and more to Bill Goldberg. And it is going to be scary and no one's going to want to watch it. It's going to be sickening and horrible. And hopefully some people will heed our advice and realize that you do not instigate the fiend. Let the Firefly Funhouse be the wonderful children's show that it is. Let me and my family enjoy it and just leave him alone. Fantastic. And now we have that on record. We have both of our predictions on record. I believe that next week's show is going to be a little bit extra long. I believe we're going to do a Super Showdown special, sir. I believe so. All right. We'll uh, do like we did with the Rumble, where we we will still hit all the important topics from uh, SmackDown and Raw, but we will focus in on the main event, which is the Super Showdown. And I believe that it will give us plenty to talk about. I think that's our show, yes? How do we sign off on these things? Listen, the number one podcast in the biz that nobody's hearing right now because we're still in the test phase, the number one podcast that you and I are doing at this moment in time, the Wrestling In Review, your weekly wrestling recap. Yeah.